Okay, so I'm recording right now. You should see how I'm sat. I'm sat on a chair and I've moved all my bedside table stuff off onto the floor. So my lamp and my candles and my hand cream and stuff. And I'm kind of sat just um, in front of my bedside table because when I'm sat on the bed, it causes too much of a rustly noise. So, and I do have a desk, but for some reason I'm just sat with my just facing the bedside table. How strange. There's a little visual for you there. Hi again and welcome back to But Where Are You From? We are a podcast about British-born Chinese culture from dating, relationships, racism, culture, general family life and everything in between. So wow, crazy times. I don't know how many of you guys follow me on Instagram, but I've been posting lots of updates on there. I've changed my handle. It's now it's Viv Yao rather than Viv the Div. She is there. And it's been a crazy week. It's been genuinely the most mental week. So let's recap on what happened. So... I saw something in The Guardian which depicted some East Asians wearing face masks for a Australian article about face masks in general. And I was just like, this doesn't sit well with me. Why is it always Asian people that they show wearing face masks in coronavirus-related articles? And so I decided to complain to The Guardian. I got a direct response back very quickly within a few hours from a guy called David Whitfield whose response just absolutely sent me into a rage. It was mental. And so I posted about it on Instagram and a few other people had complained as well separately to this. And for some reason, like just the internet is an incredible place. Instagram had managed to ensure that we could all see find each other. I know a few people who follow me and listen to the podcast got in touch. Uh, Carly and Charlie. <laughs> Carly and Charlie! And then we basically were all talking about it. I was talking about it with another woman called Amy and then someone else called Mayan who posted pretty much exactly the same experience that I did. And then we were just like, okay, we need to do something about this. Amy said to us, let's start a, well, she said to me, should we start a WhatsApp group or something? And during that time, I started a petition. I was trying to raise awareness and basically stop the media from showing East and Southeast Asians in coronavirus-related media. So since then, we have had over 3,000 signatures. We created a social post, which is completely blown up like my Instagram insights if you look at the amount of story shares it's been sent about over 300 times and that's unheard of with my Instagram because I've got a really small I've got, I've got like 3,000 followers but the engagement is really low because I essentially inherited that audience from when I used to work in talent management and manage YouTubers and people would follow me in the hope that they would see these YouTubers so all of them stopped taking interest in my post when I left that job and so my engagement's always been really low. But since actually posting about this stuff, we've had more, I've noticed more Asians following me and just more engagement from Asian people, which is really great. And I think that's also from the podcast too. So anyway, so then we created that. Amy is amazing. She designed it. And we've all just pulled together our skills and contacts and 
any type of labour that we can spare. But in our spare time, weeknights, weekend, the last weekend, we were all just hammering this and emailing certain people, trying to find out how the media system works, who signs off on those photos, who gets approval, who uploads those photos, who takes those photos, everything. We were just really, really on a mission. And it all started from this one man, David Whitfield, who has gaslighted us and his responses and who clearly doesn't see a problem with what we're saying. And multiple people are saying it too. It's not just me and it's not just the few of us in this group. It's multiple people who have complained and yet they still deny that there's an issue with discrimination, racism. They still deny that this isn't an issue and it's not a trend. Um, So we just had enough. And so it just hit 3,000 signatures. I just checked an hour ago, which is incredible. And I've been speaking to Daniel York Lowe and I actually interviewed him for the podcast a few episodes back. And it's so hard to sum up what he does in a few words. He's an activist, an actor, musician, writer, and we've just kept in touch after the podcast because I've learned a lot from him and he has been a massive source of inspiration for me in speaking up for what is right and what isn't right. What's wrong? (laughs) What's wrong? He's one who actually got in contact with Sarah Owen, who is Luton's Labour MP. She is also of British East Asian descent. And because Daniel got in contact with Sarah, she raised this today in the Houses of Commons. Sorry, what's it called? The House of the House of Commons at the Women's and Equalities Questioning. She actually raised this and she mentioned the petition and my name. She actually said, Viv Yao has created a petition which has had over 3,000 signatures and what are we going to do about hate crime towards East and Southeast Asians for people um, during coronavirus-related media? Um, and she raised it. She actually raised it. So Victoria Atkins, who's a Conservative MP, she's actually the Minister for Women. She responded to this and her response only partly answered a question. She didn't mention anything to do with the media reporting. She mentioned how people are being reprimanded for all the kind of reports for hate crime in um, in the UK. But in terms of the media representation, that's something that we need to address still. And so she mentioned she called me an honourable lady, which is just, oh my God. I'm an honourable lady. Me sat in my bedroom with my knees against my bedside table in a really weird position. So I'll take that. You know what? I'll take that. So she's invited me to meet her in the Equalities Office, so Parliament, to speak with her, which is insane. When I saw that message, I was just like, what the actual? I don't know when it's going to be. I just know that it's going to happen hopefully soon. So Sarah and I have been speaking over Twitter and it was actually Daniel who messaged me to tell me what Sarah had told him. And I was just like, what the heck? This is actually happening. Because usually with petitions, so with Parliament, you have to do it on a UK Parliament petition website And I didn't, stupidly. When I started a petition, I did it on change.org. And to even get an MP to look at a petition, it has to have over 10,000 signatures. For it to get into Parliament, it has to have over 100,000 signatures. And this has 3,000 signatures. But because Sarah Owen is a British East Asian MP, I know she understands what we're going through. I know she understands the gravitas of this entire situation. And she's just fucking 
gone in there. She's just incredible. I'm honestly so blown away and I can't believe that it's got to this point where I didn't even go with the right protocol. I didn't even go down the right route to get to this point. We haven't even got 10,000 or 100,000 signatures and we got to the stage where we've got it raised in the House of Commons in Parliament. What the actual... So this WhatsApp group that I've got with these five amazing activists, we're going to call them activists because we are being activists. Amy, Charlie, Carly, Mayan, and someone else who wants to remain anonymous. Incredible, incredible women, like hats off. Without them, I would have given up probably by now. And I probably would have felt so alone. But because we've been able to motivate each other and use each other's resources and carry on with the cause and just being able to say to each other, come on, we can do this. And using our anger and our fury to drive us, we've created something like genuinely, we've created something amazing. I'm so happy and grateful. And this is only the start. Like we've not even begun yet because it's been a week. I'm just going to put my feet up. I look like an actual weird I've got my like leg up now like a really like tolo person tolo means like really like rude not rude like scruffy yeah it's just the start it's just a start because it would be amazing if we had regulations and rules and laws to stop this from happening to stop this discrimination because it should be against the law so imagine just imagine if it gets to that stage I feel like it could actually happen. I really feel like if I speak it into existence, it could happen. We were already discussing like, what if it does get to Parliament? And it's happened in seven days, (laughs) seven days. We just need more signatures. So the more people that sign, the more that this petition holds even more weight when we meet them again and they see the thousands of people who actually care about this cause, who actually care about how we're represented in the media and how we are so misrepresented in the media. So if you do care at all and if you haven't done it yet, please look in the show notes or just go my Instagram or just go and change.org and look for the petition and please sign and please share it. So I've wanted to just say, like, I have not done anything different to anyone. All I have done is not stop banging on about something and luckily other people feel the same and they've supported and helped spread the awareness way further than I could have done as one person. Like we've utilised so many contacts and so many different media outlets. It's been insane. But all I did was just care about something. And my mum always said that I was very cheng hey, which means I don't stop talking about something, like I'm really stubborn. And I always thought it was a bad trait, but in this instance, it's actually come in handy for something, which is nice. And I just think, if you see something that you don't feel is right, just stand up for it and just say something, because there's bound to be other people who feel the same as you. And I don't know what I'm doing. It's a learning as you go situation. But I just know that I care so passionately about this cause that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. I'm going to fucking go down to Parliament or wherever it is that we're going to meet. I'm going to wear whatever I'm going to wear. What do you even wear to Parliament? I don't even know. Who knows? And I'm going to raise the issue as best as I can. I really am. I'm going to dedicate my time to this to try to make as much of a difference as we can so then it filters down to the media and they stop fucking showing us in every single coronavirus related article that's not even really related to 
being East Asian or Southeast Asian or anything like that. But I do think like it was all meant to happen. So me starting this podcast and going on my own journey in terms of finding out more about my own culture and learning about myself and others in this process and finding my online community during this, asking Daniel to come on and making friends with him, the media perpetuating the stereotype that we're all somehow connected to coronavirus, the Guardian for writing back these horrible emails, these five women that I have been connected with over social media, getting this petition to Parliament, it was all meant to happen. And even from like me changing my name from Viv the Div a weeks ago, because I'm now getting more and more people sharing these posts, imagine if this Parliament thing was shared and Viv the Div was splashed all over it. I don't think it's a very good look. But I'm trusting the universe that it's all going to work out and fingers crossed we just get some change. Like this is just the start. No change has been made yet. So we just need to carry on, carry on putting some weight behind it with signatures. I also wanted to announce something. So I have started a coffee.com page and it's basically if you want to support me and the podcast for the price of an oat milk latte... So I've basically set up this page called coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash it's Viviao, where if you want to support the podcast and you want to support me for the price of your usual coffee, then if you want to, and if you feel able to, then please go to that link and buy me a coffee and that'll be great. And I can carry on motivating myself to create content for you guys because it does take a lot of time, but it's so worth it. And if you want to, and if you feel able to, I would appreciate that so much. And hopefully we can actually meet up for a coffee in real life. So today's episode is all about friendships. I wanted to talk about friends, everything friends, from my friendships growing up to any distinction between me and my Chinese friends versus me and my white friends and then also what healthy friendships mean to me. Um, So two podcast listeners actually give one positive and negative experiences with their friends which I'm going to read later on in the podcast. I asked them on the Facebook group so if you haven't joined it's a Facebook group for podcast listeners and it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash but where are you from? Um, So I don't actually have many friends, like true, true ride or die friends that you can call upon at any hour, they'll pick up whenever. And you know, some people have like the girls. I have girls in like different pockets, but to recall any friends that I do have, I can probably count on one hand my close friends, my close, close friends that I know ride or die will be there for me kind of friends. In terms of friends when I was younger, so there was actually something that I was discussing with another Chinese friend in terms of the differences because I truly had forgotten. I was like, it was probably quite similar in terms of our upbringings, but actually just speaking with her made me remember that like we weren't allowed to do certain things that our white friends were allowed to do. So my parents didn't allow sleepovers for years. Like I would beg and beg my parents to let me sleep over at my friend's house, but they just didn't allow us, and I never really understood why until my mum got older, and she was so worried about hearing stories of girls getting molested and all sorts of really horrific stories when they were younger that she and my dad decided that they didn't want us to go to sleepovers, and so we probably missed out on a few with our friendship group growing up, actually. And then also 
because our parents obviously speak a different language and there's a bit of a language barrier, you know, you just see English friends' parents like getting on really well and going out for drinks together and dinner and having them over. My parents never really did that. And I probably felt looking back now that I wanted that because I saw that with other friends and their parents and I wondered what was it that made us different and it was the language barrier and I do think that now I totally understand why my parents wouldn't feel as comfortable sitting with English parents as much because there might just not be enough to talk about, they might feel self-conscious about their language and not English not being their first language. My mum was friends with some of my friends' parents but only kind of very impassing and stuff and we would be really polite with each other and it was usually those who would be really patient to speak with my mum actually and that was nice. So obviously growing up in the takeaway we'd sometimes on a Friday or Saturday we'd have our friends come over and I remember my friend Fran she used to love coming to the takeaway when we were younger and actually it was a bit of a nice shared cultural experience. I actually messaged her and asked her can you give me some examples of our friendship and what you remember from our childhood. She talked about how coming to the takeaway was really cool and just being able to like eat food upstairs in the takeaway and play and make up dance routines in the back garden of the takeaway which was like some a really horrible grassy really really dodgy back garden kind of thing but yeah we had lots of fun actually I actually really enjoyed having my friends around to the takeaway and they thought it was cool and then also one really funny insight that my friend mentioned is that our parents really didn't like us socializing or having boyfriends and wanted us to focus on our studies but then bam you hit mid-20s and they're like, when am I going to have a husband and grandchildren? And you're like, well, you didn't let me date until I was in my 20s. My parents were a bit like that. We didn't start dating boys until, well, no one was interested, as I've mentioned, until I was like 16, 17. And so <laughs> that wasn't really an issue. I also spoke to my friend Sophie as well about just sharing cultural experiences with your white friends and one really special moment was at my sister's wedding the night before and I don't know whether you guys have experienced this but when you do the whole Chinese tradition of someone brushing your hair like an auntie who's in a really really happy marriage happy and long marriage would come over to your house she would make this sweet soup with these white glutinous balls in them oh sorry red glutinous balls in them and then we'd all drink it and eat it together. And then the bride, so my sister, she sat on the chair and then my auntie brushed her hair so many, I think it was like 200 times, I can't remember. And it's meant to bring good luck. <laughs> and my friend Sophie came along and we'd never done this before. So we were like, what the hell is going on? And she was like, this is so weird. And we were like, yeah, we find it weird too. Like it's not normal to do this. <laughs> But then actually it was a really special experience that we could share, a shared cultural experience with our white friends. And I remember it's really, this is so weird, right? I don't even know how to explain this because there's no like explanation for it. But so when we were drinking the soup with these red glutinous balls in there, we made them, so we made them out of some kind of dough, like dumpling dough or something. And, and then <laughs> my friend Sophie, she looked on the floor and she was like, oh, we've dropped one. But it turned out it was just a red pom-pom and it was some weird coincidence that a red pom-pom had dropped off from some form of clothing or somewhere. We don't even know where. I think it was my slippers when I had llama slippers that I used to wear. And it was just on the floor and we thought it was one of those glutinous rice ball things. 
but it wasn't. It was a pom-pom, like a materially pom-pom. It's really weird. I also wanted to talk about what healthy friendships mean to me. And me and my sisters have always said this, that we want friends who are like radiators and not drainers. So when you think of a radiator, they are warm, they radiate heat, they bring positive energy to your lives. And I bet you're thinking of someone, one of your friends, I hope you are anyway, who reminds you of a radiator. I certainly know that I have two very close friends who I'm like, radiator, radiator. And then you think of the drainers, so things that go down a drain, really negative, always spiralling. And I bet you also have those types of friends in your life as well. And I've realised that a healthy friendship means that you don't always need to speak to them, but you know that they're around. So you don't always need to be in contact. Like with my friend Soph, we did a long distance friendship for years while she was away studying. And we actually like lived near each other in London for about a year, which was so nice. But we've always been really far apart, miles away. So we'd only see each other Easter, summer maybe, Christmas, and that was it. But we didn't have to catch up all the time to know that we were always there for each other and it was always the same again. And that's the sign of a really special friendship. And I also think that a healthy friendship is when they don't blow hot and cold with you, like you don't know where you stand, you don't put them on a pedestal, nor do they with you, and it's just comfortable, like you have a laugh, it's comfortable being around one another, you never feel like you have to question their friendship or their integrity or their motives in any way, and they're just, they're just solid mates, do you know what I mean? So a podcast listener actually mentioned, I've taken a part out of a message So she said that I'm the type of friend where you don't need to speak to me for periods of time but we pick up again like no time has passed. My inner ones stay constant even though we don't see each other as much as we used to. Obviously life changes, people do move on. Friends having children massively changes priorities and that shifts friendships. I'm lucky I'm an auntie to lots of my friends' children. My friends' children. My friends are so important to me and they are always prioritised. I'm lucky my boyfriend understands that. So yeah, I I know of quite a few friendships where people drift apart because the other party has kids. But personally, I've always wanted to hang out more so with people who do have kids. I think it's just because I'm not really like a party goer. I don't like going out to clubs. I don't like drinking. There's so many things that I don't do as a 20-something year old woman usually does. And I very much enjoy that family aspect of socialising. And so a lot of my friends actually do have kids. And the ones that don't, I am gunning for them to have children as quickly as possible so that we can just, like, hang out with the kids. And I think it's very much like an Asian thing, like, growing up with your cousins around you and being able to, I don't know, like, helping raise them. Like, I know that whilst obviously I'm not a parent, I've definitely had to parent at times with my baby cousins and tell them what's wrong and tell them what's right, tell them off when they're being little dickheads. And so I I think that's really nice that you can do that with your friends' kids. I know that some some people don't like that. Some people don't like you parenting their children, but I'm all for it. When I have children, I'm happy for my friends and family to parent my children as long as they are good people and teach them good things because is only going to enrich their experience when they're older. And also the last line where she said, I'm lucky my boyfriend understands that. That's really interesting because I know that some partners can be quite 
territorial over you and that's not healthy in the slightest you know if you can't prioritize your friends and you are always putting your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner first then it's not going to be healthy for you if anything ever happens and I know that I've certainly done that in the past where because I've been so caught up in a relationship I have blown off my friends and family in order to spend more time with them and ultimately when I look back now I'm like why did I do that like especially when I think about my dad and just the amount of times that I chose to hang out with this guy like my boyfriends over who I'm not even with anymore over my dad who's no longer with us it makes me really sad that I did that and that I could have spent more time with my family who's not here with me anymore over a fucking guy who I don't even give a shit about anymore and another podcast listener actually sent me a bit of a negative story about friendships and one that is related to racism so she says last weekend I was talking with one of my best friend's boyfriends and also have been and this boy has also been a close friend since school we were playing with my friend's dog and my friend's boyfriend comes out with the comment yeah they all eat dogs in China yes this was said right in front of me so this person who has sent in the message is a Chinese person I responded by asking what he meant by that and he elaborated reaffirming what he's just said implying how strange it was because dogs are so cute right I was shook and tried to correct by saying how this was not entirely true, how it was just a stereotype, but was immediately shut down. I was surprised and didn't say anything else. I thought about it a lot over the weekend and decided to message him, yes, you go, with my thoughts on this and how it is harmful, but the reply I got seemed to make me think my feelings were not taken seriously, as the apology wasn't in fact an apology, but a message trying to validate the comment, and that it wasn't meant out of malice, as he's not a racist. Oh, they always fucking say that, don't they? Maybe I was blowing it out of proportion. I feel this was, this may be a time to bring a draw to this friendship, although it seems a little awkward awkward due to the close proximity with my friend. I am so sorry that you had to go through that and the fact that he invalidated your experiences and gaslighted you to say that he's not a racist for saying that and it's really awkward when it's usually guys who are like it's usually people who are nice people who you perceive to be nice people who have always been nice to you who come out with these comments who are so ignorant and frankly racist and they're the trickiest conversations to have. It's not the ones who call you a chink or who spit at you on the street when you know that's definitely wrong. It's these kind of nuanced comments where they don't even see an issue with it. And the fact that he's even tried to defend himself, it's just awful. And I really hope that your message is at least making him think twice about saying it in the future. Because it's just the fact that he still goes around thinking that and saying they all eat dogs in China. What all, how many billions of people in China are there? The millions and millions of people, we all eat dog. And by saying in China, you mean us because we're Chinese as well. And just because she doesn't, just because your friend wasn't brought up in China, it still applies and it still hurts to British born Chinese people because you're talking about our ancestors. You're talking about our family, our friends, and that's not okay. And I'm really sorry that you had to do that. But I'm so glad that you messaged him. And I really wish that I was there to be like, no, you're wrong. I just really wish other people would step in to say what you just said is wrong. And I really want to see more of that. I want to see more white people who, when they 
call out racism, it's more palatable. When they call it out, other white people listen more. So I really wish that someone had stuck up for you as well. So I'm really sorry that that happened to you. It's really annoying. And I do think that this time has really made us reevaluate re our friendships with people and just how covertly racist some of our friends have been over the years and we've not even noticed. The thing I noticed the most is during lockdown, during Black Lives Matter, everyone was posting about it, sharing resources. It was great. And like anything else, it was a trend and it died down and people have started posting they're making sourdough again and going out again because lockdown's over. And whilst, okay, that's fine and we can't invalidate those stories, why not continue using your platforms as white people? Because what do you have to lose at the end of the day? You have nothing to lose as a white person by posting and showing that you are supporting anti-racism. That's all it is. It's all it is. So yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. I also want to talk about some severed friendships that I've had and it's, I always thought it was me. I always thought, oh, something is wrong with me because I can't seem to retain my friendships. And then I spoke about this with my sister tonight. She was like, Viv, no, they were idiots. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thanks, Steph. <laughs> she was like, do you know what? I hate it when people are mean to you. I really hate it. it makes me dislike them straight away. <laughs> and then I was like, so you can only be mean to me then? And she was like, yeah fair enough fair enough you are you are my sister after all I remember a certain friend who the relationship became all about her and she was quite selfish at times and I won't go into particular situations but it sucked a lot of my energy and this was during a time when my dad was ill and he was ill for over 10 years so that could be anyone could be anyone and this person whilst we had a lot of fun this person did become a drainer in the end and took more energy than I was willing to give at that time. I remember cutting her off and a mutual friend messaged me to say what I did was wrong. And I was just like, how am I being vilified for this when this person has continued to treat me really horribly and centre herself in this nightmare that I'm going through? Like my fam my dad was away in America going through cancer treatment and our mutual friend messaged me to say that you shouldn't have cut this person off it's really affected her and now I look back and I'm like boundaries firstly like this is not your conversation to have with me like I'm not ready to have this conversation you know what's going on in my life at the moment and yet you choose to prioritize this person who you know has been awful at times to me and selfish and yet, you know, it just completely goes over your head that I'm going through something at the moment. And granted, I didn't deal with the situation well. I completely cut this person off. I didn't even give them an explanation. I just stopped talking to them one day. I just decided that I had enough. And it probably wasn't a very healthy reaction, but my brain just couldn't process so many things that were happening. We were working at the takeaway whilst our dad was away. We didn't know whether he was going to live like, that's literally how serious it was. We didn't know whether he was going to survive an operation at the time. And I didn't have the energy to deal with it. And so I cut this person off. And years later, we met up and we finally talked. And it was actually really nice to clear the air because I know that it certainly played on my mind in terms of the friendship that we did have. But I wasn't ready at the time to talk about it. And I don't regret what I did, to be honest, because the friendship was so draining at the time. 
And then I had a friend, an old friend, who she would snap at me when things just weren't going her way, like things weren't happening for her. And I realise now that that friendship, I very much served a purpose to be there for her entertainment. Like, oh, I'm silly Viv. Like, I'm, I always make silly comments. I'm always joking. And I always get myself in a ditz and like weird situations. But when I started to do well for myself, like I got a boyfriend, <laughs> wasn't doing well, but she was like desperately single and wanted a boyfriend. And I got good grades. I got a job that I wanted. It's when the imbalance occurred in that friendship where I started to, and I live with this person too, where one time I felt like my flatmates, including her, were talking about me because I just walked into the room and when you just know that people have been talking about you when the room goes silent. And I came home crying to my sisters and my dad and being like, oh my God, I'm living in a house where people are like saying things about me. And then my sisters were so angry and they said like, this particular person is just jealous. And that had never occurred to me because I don't really understand it when friends get jealous of other people. Like if you are a true friend, you would be truly happy for me. Or even if you did feel a little bit jealous, because that is a completely normal emotion. But even if you did feel a little bit jealous, you'll put your friendship first and you'll put that feeling aside. You'll acknowledge it, put it aside. Okay, why do I feel jealous? Because things aren't happening for me, but that is not their issue. And I can still be happy for this person. But this person wasn't like that. And so we just drifted apart. After I moved out of that house, we drifted apart. And I am so glad because that was also, it wasn't a toxic friendship, but it wasn't a good friendship where I felt like this person truly had my best interests at heart. So I've really learned over the years to just stand up for myself. Like I'm really bad at that, but I've noticed that just saying no to stuff you don't want to do, even if it means offending them, If this is important to you and you want to preserve your energy, then say no to anything that anyone asks of you ever, full stop, and don't apologise for it. Like, you have to preserve your own energy, even if you bail at the last minute. Like, I did this recently and I felt awful, but I was like, what is more important, my mental health or appeasing this person that I'm just not in the mood to see? So just do that and just realise that a friend should always be there for you. Even if you have differences of opinions, which I certainly do with a lot of close friends, we don't agree on so many things, but you should never feel guilty for feeling that way for your own opinion. And my sister actually just gave me a lecture on this because she was saying like, what you're doing, like how you feel or how you act is right. So you should never feel like you need the validation of your friends ever, ever. So that's all I had to say. Like, I really wanted to go into this further, but I'm all out of energy now. It's 10 p.m. The past week has been so mentally draining. Alongside, also, my own business, we're turning two tomorrow, which I completely forgot about. We're turning two tomorrow, and we are essentially relaunching the business with a new division to it, which is really exciting. And so I've been trying to spend a lot of time with Laura, my colleague, to launch this new side of the business, which is something I should be prioritising. But thank God for people like Laura, who are just amazing at their jobs. And yeah, so that's it. So if you want to sign the petition, no, please do it. Please sign the petition. Not if you want to. You should do it if you care about East Asian and Southeast Asian people. 
you should do it. But if you want to, please buy me a coffee on my coffee link, coffee-ko-fi.com forward slash it's Vivial. And thank you so much for listening. I know that a lot of stuff has been shared on social media recently. I feel bombarded with everything that's going on. So I hope everyone is feeling okay and not feeling too triggered by just life stuff. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Wear a fucking face mask. Just wear a face mask. And look after yourselves. Yeah, take care and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!